Welcome to the 
with the nature of these tales to yes. have the story of the gods. They're moving, they're moving events along. They're influencing events. And so for, you know, I'm, I'm a creative person. I'm a writer as well as a filmmaker for all people who do such things. Be aware that you, you, you lose some of the force and power because those were the things that informed the writers and the people in those eras. And you can't just divorce it. No. And, uh, and like you and I were talking about, if we could do a TV series uh, to replace Game of Thrones, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I would entitle it Rage of the Gods. Mm-hmm. And then you tell the story in multiple episodes of the Iliad and, and, and the Odyssey and everything. And it could be one seamless show for many years. And I think it could Great. be better than uh, Game of Thrones, but... Well, we're we're building the template here by telling the story chapter by chapter. So yeah, absolutely. So anyhow, the chapter begins uh, as dawn. Now, dawn is a goddess, and uh, that's where. And, and she is also, of course, our uh, our co-host of the <laughs> Make Matriarchy Great Again podcast, and still a goddess on that one as well. Okay, great. Uh, that the dawn Sam Alden. So anyway, go on. So as dawn rose up in her golden robe from ocean's tides bringing light to immortal gods and mortal men. Thetis, now Thetis is the goddess, and she's the mother of uh, Achilles. Thetis sped to Hephaestus, and Hephaestus was called the god of fire, but he's depicted with a anvil and hammer, you know, but he, he did more than metalwork. He, he built the palaces for the gods and stuff like that, and made the jewelry for the, for the goddesses. So Thetis sped to Hephaestus' gifts to the ships. She found, I mean, she sped with the armor that Hephaestus made you know, for Achilles. That's what she's doing right now. And uh, she found her beloved son lying face down, embracing Patroclus' body, sobbing, wailing. Around him crowded troops of his mourning comrades. Um and then Thetis talks to him, my child, leave your friend to lie there dead. We must, though it breaks our hearts. The will of the gods has crushed him once and for all. But here, Achilles, accept this glorious armor. Look, a gift from the god of fire, burnished bright, finer than any mortal has ever borne across his back. And so she's urging him to, to take the armor, you know? To jump back in, to get going. Yeah. Right. And then he responds to her, Mother, armor sent by the god, you're right. Only immortal gods could forge such work. No man on earth could ever bring it off. Now by heaven, I'll arm and go to war. And then uh, Thetis reassured him. Um, and she's saying, so go and call the Argive, the Greek warriors, to the muster. Renounce your rage at the proud commander Agamemnon then arm for battle quickly, don your fighting power. But that so she, she's encouraging him to get back into it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even though she knows that he's going to die young. As, as was his choice, as we know. The, that was the, the famous choice. Story. Either right. live an unglorious life long or die gloriously young. And he chose the latter. So with that, she breathed in her son tremendous courage. And then brilliant, brilliant Achilles strode along the surf, crying his piercing cry and rousing 
the Greek warriors. And then along came two aides of Ares. Ares is the god of war. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Limping in uh, with Tydides, uh, flanked by uh, the good Odysseus. They found their seats in the front ranks. In other words, they're they're seating down and and, uh, they're having a meeting. And uh, Lord Agamemnon came in last of all and so on. And uh, so, so wait, so I understand the setup. So this is the Ares has sent emissaries and Agamemnon and Achilles. So we have the gods and the mortals or yeah, am come, I mis- did I misunderstand well, that? Yeah. In, in essence, coming together, you know? Oh, very interesting. Again, just what we, you just pointed out, what we were just talking about, how you need those, those elements combined. Yes. And um, so anyhow, uh, you know, um, so the so the gods are now so Ares, the god of war, has got it's it's almost like you know Thetis is pushing Achilles into the fray, and now you've got the god of war getting into it. it's like a football huddle, almost, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like that's they're, they're huddling up. That's a All good right? analogy. So anyhow, uh, for Ag- uh, for international listeners, we're talking American football. Yes. So, okay. Like the uh, big game going on today, right? Um. Anyhow, Agamemnon, uh, you know, replies because he's being urged by his men to make amends to Achilles and get him back because they're not going to. In Homer's world, you don't win a war unless your hero is fighting. You know, you can have thousands of men, but you're still not going to win only if you have your hero. We've talked about that. Again, it's like the big star of your team. Without your star quarterback, you don't have a really good chance of winning. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, Agamemnon's talking, and uh, and um, they were he mentions that they're raging against each other, you know, and so on. And uh, and any references, if only Artemis had cut down at the, cut her down at the ships in one quick shaft. That day I destroyed Lanessus, whatever, and chose her as my prize. Um, you know, I, I guess as a love slave. I mean, he's talking about. Right. I raged on and on. Yes, for Hector and Hector's Trojans, not for the Greeks. For years to come, I think they will remember the feud that flared between us both. He's talking to Achilles. Mm-hmm. And and then he says, let bygones be bygones. Done is done. Despite my anguish, I will beat it down. The fury mounting inside me, down by force, now by God I call halt to this anger. So he welcomes uh, Achilles, and uh, well, he needs him again. He need, you need your star QB, your star quarterback, to win the game. And Agamemnon, in a sense, is like the coach of the Greek team. He knows yeah. what he needs to win, yeah, so he's, he's trying a, to get him back in. He's a high lord of the Greeks. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, high king of I should say of the Greeks, uh, and uh, the other Greek kings, you know, like Odysseus, were lesser in power than him. I mean, I think it's uh, one of the reasons to use the sports analogies, the nature of combat in this era is really man-to-man, hand-on-hand combat, hand-to-hand combat, yeah. right? So you're talking – so the individual fighters mean a lot because, of course, we think now we think of tanks and weapons and planes. 
Uh, of course, we still have sailors and soldiers and, and the importance that they, they give to warfare. But in this time in particular, that was the whole weapon. The weapon was the person, you know, and you have, of course, the sword and shield. But the essential weapon, the real, you know, uh, power was in the person and how they wielded that sword. So we're exhorting them and being sort of like a leader of men, like a coach on a team was extremely important then. And also, those leaders had to go into combat as well. So Agamemnon was expected to go into battle too. But but, but get this, he's trying to get out of blame for the, uh, you know, the rivalry with Achilles. You know that he took mm-hmm. Achilles' uh, love slave. You know, Briseis. Mm-hmm. And saying, we don't want to overlook uh, the love slave aspect, Gary. As we always point out, this is not something to be extolled in that era. That they were there's a lot of captive. War, frankly, war rape of, gra- of, of of capturing women from other tribes. Yeah. So there's there's that issue. But anyway, go on. Sorry. And um, actually, it's kind of interesting that we're doing this greatest of all war stories when there may be a huge war in Europe. You know, with Russia attacking Ukraine. Heaven forbid. But yes. Yeah, I, I hope they don't. I hope Putin comes to his senses and backs off. Um, but anyhow, yeah, Agamemnon says. Uh, I am not to blame. Zeus and fate and fury, all three gods, stalking through the night, they are the ones who drove that savage madness in my heart. So he's trying, he's trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so anyhow, he's talking about ruin and uh, the, the uh, fate and stuff like that, you know. Agamemnon has struck me as being very much a political actor. Uh, someone is not so much, you know, where Achilles is motivated by, well, he has his own diva sensibility, but his own particular code. Uh, and then you have wily Odysseus, who's constantly figuring subterfuge different ways to get through things. Agamemnon seems to always be concerned with uh, maintaining his status and keeping himself sort of above, you know, above blame, like you're pointing out, the way, the way a politician would. Yeah. You know, he, this is the reason. So he seems to very much the politician of the ancient world. Yeah, <clears throat> I think he is. And that's why the other Greek kings, uh, you know, like Nestor, uh, support him, I think. So anyhow, he goes on, and so with me, I tell you, when tall Hector with that flashing helmet of his kept slaughtering Greeks pinned against our ships, how could I once forget that madness, that frenzy, that ruin, which is a god that blinded me from that first day? But but since I was blinded, Zeus stole my wits. So he's trying to get out of taking responsibility, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so anyhow, um, but the swift runner Achilles broke in, Field Marshal Atreides, it's another name for uh you know, it's a family of Agamemnon, the, the Atreides. Uh, Field Marshal Atreides, Lord of Men, Agamemnon, produce the gifts if you like. In other words, he's offering a bunch of gifts to Achilles yeah. to, uh, you know, make amends. Produce the gifts if you like as you see fit, or keep them back, it's up to you. But now, quickly, call up the wild joy of war at once. So no wow, problem. what a phrase, the wild joy of war. It's yes. quite a phrase. Yeah, in other words, they reveled in war, you know. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very telling. And also, we talk about the poetry of Homer. It's an incredible uh, 
use of words. Obviously, this is in translation, but we're, we're uh, as you uh, have attested, this is a translation that is, seems to be very faithful. I think it is. Well, it's certainly, you know, uh, clear, you know, and uh, it, it moves along well, I think. Mm-hmm. But Odysseus find it tactics answered uh, firmly, not so quickly. In other words, he's trying to stop Odysseus from rushing into it right, right then. Not so quickly. Brave as you are, God like Achilles, the Achaeus troops are hungry. So he wants to stop the war, uh, you know, to eat. And so they can, uh, he says, no, no, command them now to take their food and, and wine and so on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that Odysseus doesn't want to rush into battle, you know. Well, it's smart, and Odysseus is the smart one, right? You want to make sure your troops are well fed. You're, they always talk about when you, especially you see World War II, once they talk about supply lines. Oh, yeah. You know, it's hard for your troops to fight on an empty stomach. So uh, I'm not quite sure how wine works, but it's the ancient world. Maybe it was just fine. So, but yeah, it's certainly a smart a smart move. I mean, it's, it's interesting, again, about the, about the Iliad, and you talk about this, is the idea that these characters are so real and so well yes. drawn out yeah so differentiated here, here you have the political smooth operator uh agamemnon you have the wily odysseus and you have the the diva furious achilles you have these three very distinct personalities right personalities these very distinct men so yeah it's interesting it's really wonderful so anyhow uh then uh, Agamemnon responds, son of Laertes, meaning Odysseus, a delight to hear your counsel. You have covered it all fairly, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he, uh, and he talks about uh, the treasure trove is, is hauled, before, hauled forth from my tents, and we conceal our binding oaths and blood. And you, Odysseus, I tell you, I command you, pick out young men, the best of our joint forces, bring forth the gifts from my ship, all we promised Achilles, and bring the women too. <laughs> There's more than one, more than one woman that, uh, he, you know, women he has, he's wanting to give Achilles. My God. Yeah, it's a, again, it says a lot about that culture, but right. okay. So we're passing on. All right. And then Achilles, and, uh, Achilles responds, Field Marshal Atreides, Lord of Men, Agamemnon, better busy yourself with some other time. Uh, so in other words, he wants to get to it. And uh, But you, you and Odysseus, urge us to the banquet. I, by God, I drive my uh, my Greeks into battle now. But uh, you talk of food. I have no taste for food. What I really crave is slaughter and blood and the choking groans of men. So Achilles is just a bloody killer, and he revels in it, you know? That's yeah, and again an amazing just the what, depiction of a person of a character, yeah. But Odysseus, cool tactician, tried to calm him. Achilles, son of Peleus, greatest of the Achaeans, greater than I, stronger with spears, so on. Uh, since I have years on you, and I know the world much better, so let your heart be swayed by what I say. So he's just telling him to chill out, you know, for. Overnight, and then they can go to war after right, they've right. rested and wisely, had, wisely, yeah, had food and drink. And, and he and he says that he says, "Remember food and drink, so that all 
the more fiercely we can fight our enemies. Nonstop, no mercy. There you go. Cheers. Cheers for Odysseus. I like Odysseus. So anyway, go ahead. I do too. And I, I'm looking forward to when we get to the Odyssey. Yeah, so am I. So am I. But um, so uh, Odysseus led him an escort formed of the brave old soldier Nestor's sons. And uh, and he, he, he mentions the sons. Off they went to the tents of Agamemnon, a few sharp commands, and the work was done. Now, here is all these sacred numbers that I told you I uh, apparently discovered and wrote an article on that mm-hmm. Greek ambassador Demetrius Sarris thinks is uh, valid, and I have a publisher willing to publish it, so i got to get it published. And we have an episode on it, don't forget, so for you listeners out there, go back through the 34 Circe Salon Parallax uh, channel listings, and you'll find one of our episodes, which is about uh, Gary's theory of the sacred symbolic number system. So here they are. You know, so they bring them forth out of uh, Agamemnon's tents, seven tripods, number seven, hauled from the tents, 20 burnished cauldrons. Now, 20 is twice number 10, and that's why I think number 10 is a sacred number. Uh, 10 years it took, uh, according to Homer, 10 years for the Trojan War to be fought and 10 years for Odysseus' voyage home, 10 and 10. Um, and uh, they quickly brought out women, flawless, skilled in uh, crafts, seven of them. And Briseis, in all her beauty, made the eighth. Then Odysseus weighed out 10 full bars of gold and led the princess back laden with other gifts. And they sat down amid the greeting, uh, meeting grounds, excuse me, as Agamemnon rose to his feet. So in other words, uh, the sacred numbers are embedded in all those gifts. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then when Briseis gets returned to Achilles, uh, it says, and so Briseis returned like golden Aphrodite, but when she saw Patroclus lying torn by the bronze she flung herself on his body, gave a piercing cry. And then she says, Patroclus, the dearest joy in my heart, my herald broken heart, I left you alive that day I left the shelters, and now I come back and find you fallen, captain of armies. So she's really expressing grief for Patroclus. But you, Patroclus, would not let me weep, not when the swift Achilles cut my husband down. You'd make me godlike Achilles' lawful wedded wife. So in other words, she's saying that uh, if, if he was alive, he would agree with her marrying uh, Achilles, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her voice rang out in tears, and the women wailed and answered, grief for Patroclus, calling forth each woman's private sorrows. But Greeks' warlords clustered around Achilles, bringing him to eat. And uh, so, so it goes. Um, and um, so uh, Achilles is uh, comforted, you know, and he's he's uh, now he's going to fight. But uh, uh, mm-hmm. anyhow, so how do how do how does this chapter end? Because we're coming towards the end of our our episode. How do we? How does the chapter wrap up? Yeah, well, it wraps up with. Um, uh, you know, the uh, Achilles putting on the armor. Okay. 
So uh, in, in cinematic terms, it's sort of like you see the hero suddenly turn towards the camera in the new, like Batman, in his new out, in his Batman outfit, ready to go out and take on the, the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. So it, well, it, what do you, it describes mm-hmm. how he, you know, he puts on the breastplate, he puts on the greaves that cover your shins and he uh, puts on his helmet, you know, just briefly he goes over that again. Uh, and and that was uh, the ancient Greeks called that a panoply. Right, a word we still use today. Yeah, but we use it in a different way. We just say there's a panoply of furniture, I mean a variety of things, and so on. Yeah, it's um, interesting how that came from that. Right, he's putting on a variety of different pieces of armor. So, uh, and then and then this yeah. ends in kind of a strange way, um, because he uh, has four horses pulling his chariot. When in fact, I think Bronze Age uh, chariots only have two horses. But anyhow, uh, he has uh, Rowan Beauty, Charger, Lightfoot, and uh, Xanthus, I think it is. Um, and and then get this, one of the horses can talk. This really? Is, yeah, it's really wild. And it says, in Rowan Beauty, the horse with flashing hooves spoke up from under the yoke bowing his head low so this full mane came streaming down like yoke pads. The white-armed, go- and then the white-armed, white-armed goddess Hera gave him voice. And he says, yes, we will save your life, this time too, Master, mighty Achilles. But the day of death already hovers near. In other words, he's saying that Achilles is going to be killed soon, you know? Yeah, we'll get, well, we'll we, have, we have your back now, but... Your time is your number is almost up. Um, really, so the thing is, you know, the, the horse keep says on, you know, our team will race with the rush of the west wind, the strongest, swiftest blast on earth. Men say, still you're doomed to die by force, Achilles. So again, he's saying that he's going to die soon. He said no more than the fury struck him dumb, but the fiery runner Achilles burst out in anger. Why, Rowan Beauty? Why prophesy my doom? Don't waste your breath. I know well, I know. I am destined to die here, far from my dear father, far from mother. But all the same, I will never stop till I drive the Trojans to their bloody fill of war. Hmm. Just a, uh, that's a, that's an intense, explosive kind of ending. It, it, it portents certain, you know, we know we're about to go deep into the, the horror of battle. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what we've got uh, in store for the next for the remaining chapters for the listener. I mean, we're getting into again. This is almost the end of the Iliad, the end of the epic. And now, well, except for the all, last chapter, which talks about the mourning of Hector, you know, by the four principal women of Troy. Right, but even that—that's after you know after the carnage yeah. is done. So yeah, yeah. we're we're almost there. Well, Gary, thank you to Doctor Gary Stickle as always. Thank, Just, thank you. It's fun as always to do these. It's wonderful going through this story. Uh, this is the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. Thank you for listening. We will be back again soon with more of the Iliad. Take care and God bless. <laughs>